Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey. <laughs> so you're originally born in the UK? Originally born in the UK, yeah, that's right. Where in the UK? In London. Oh, in like, in, in London, I feel like most people are born in, like, kind of the suburbs. There's, like... No, right. it was London, yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And your born parents and are originally from London as well? Uh, my, my parents are actually from Scotland. Oh, okay. So I have, uh, yeah, some roots yeah. in Scotland and stuff. They moved to London for their job? Yes, that's right. What do they do? My dad is a teacher and my mum worked in advertising. Oh, so you think you got your creative skill from your dad then? or A little bit, yeah. My dad taught um, Greek and Latin. And oh, like, wow. Like my bedtime stories when I was a kid were like, I don't know, myths and stuff like that from like oh, that's cool. classical mythology stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that was like kind of a, I see, yeah, it was all really interesting stuff. Do they do music as well? Or? No music, unfortunately. But yeah, there was, uh, my dad's a big fan of music and so is my mom. So yeah, but neither of them played. What kind of music were they playing that when you were growing up? My dad loved Bob Dylan. And my mom loved James Taylor and Carol King. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what age did you like pick up your first instrument? I picked up the recorder when <laughs> I was uh, about eight, I think. Oh yeah, I think that's and, the same as me. Yep. Yeah. That's the. It's a good starting spot yeah. for anyone. And then yeah, like I, I tried a bunch of different instruments, but I couldn't really get on board with it. I tried violin. Yeah. That didn't work. Uh, and then, yeah, acoustic guitar when I was about 15, mm -hmm. 16, and that kind of stuck. Did you take lessons? I took like two lessons, and then I just asked a friend to show me how to play like Wonderwall or yeah. something like that. And then I was kind of like, cool, just four chords, that's all I need. And then I just started writing songs, basically. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. So you, were not, you went from like straight to originals, like barely any covers. Yeah. That's so rare, like well, back then. Yeah, I guess so. I think I just wanted to learn how to play a bunch of things so that I could then use it to write songs. I think I've always seen it as like a tool mm -hmm. rather than like an end thing in itself. So I'm like not really a very, I don't know. I can play like GCD like no one else, but yeah. I can't really do like any solo or anything else. <laughs> What were the songs that you wrote back then about? Oh, they were probably terrible, sort of, why why doesn't this girl fancy me kind of songwriting or something <laughs> like that. Heartbreak already back Heart, then, until Heartbreak now. Heartbreak as a teenager, that sort of stuff. And yeah, it was actually my sister was like, that was like a big thing for us as a band. Was like, well, my sister was like, you should write songs about everything, not just wah wah, heartbreaky stuff. Yeah. And when, when I like listened to that, we started writing songs that are a bit more interesting, I think. Mm. So, yeah. Do you still have this, like, did you record those songs back then, or was it just kind of, like, are you able I've, to find them now? I've tried to remove any trace of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they you were, were uploading were really them bad. online? I did, a little bit, yeah. I was, like, I was in a bunch of bands at school and stuff as well, and, yeah, like, I was in a country band called Captain Kick and the Cowboy Ramblers, which was fun, and, but, yeah, that stuff somewhere probably available still. I don't even know if it is. How would you describe your personality back then growing up? I think I've always like, been quite uh, introspective, but also quite... It's, it's 
also a little bit extroverted as well, so like introverted and extroverted. I think I've always been a bit like that. Mm -hmm. I always like performing, like in yeah. like plays or something, or in like in like I don't know gigs and stuff. But I've also always loved like I don't know. I guess I always loved reading and stuff. So I guess they're quite different sort of things. But yeah, mm -hmm. a bit so of a mixture. But I kind of still am. I think a bit like that. So yeah. yeah. And then did you know from the onset that music would be your career? Definitely not, no. I had no idea what my career was going to be. And then when I turned 16, it was like either study for exams or like learn for, learn guitar. And I just decided to just start learning how to play guitar. And then when I was about 18, I think I just went, that's what I want to do. So you didn't go to college or any art uni? I went to a music college for a, for a well, I was supposed to go for a year, but I dropped out after a term. And because I just wanted to write songs and just play live, I didn't want to. I didn't want to become like the world's greatest singer or mm. greatest guitar player. I wanted to like write songs, which I think is you can definitely learn. Like having a good knowledge of music does help with that. Yeah. But I think it's also like um, it's good to kind of figure it out yourself a little bit as well. So yeah, I just wanted to get on and do that. Really. And then was that from a? the band back then that was pretty successfully were able to live off of it? Um, no, <laughs> no, none of the bands I was in were very successful. Um, but yeah, I just, I did a ton of other jobs. I just like bartended, I worked on a building site for a really long time. Um, and yeah, I just sort of did all those other jobs while figuring it out. And eventually I met Kev, who's yeah. like, you know, half of Bear's Den and is like, is basically like, We've always been making music together now for like, well, Bears Den's been seven or eight years, but we were in another band before that. And yeah, so between us, we just kind of always collaborated mm -hmm. on stuff. And I think meeting him was a real turning point creatively for me. He's an incredible musician and he's very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And so like, kind of get to a point where you just kind of complete each other's oh, wow. musical sentences or whatever, so. Yeah. So did you yeah. really click from the onset that you realized like you would ha you would be with him for a, a long time? I think we clicked as mates really mm. quickly and we just like, oh, wow. I don't know, we just like, this guy gets it. And then, yeah, the music just sort of naturally, I think we just naturally learned off each other over time. Mm -hmm. And was he also working like odd jobs when you were starting out? Yeah, Kev's done all the jobs in the world. Every yeah. single job you could imagine, Kev's done. I still find out new jobs. Oh, really? Like today. Like, in, like, like what? In like interviews. Like, he told me the other day he worked in a, in like a pizza place, which mm -hmm. I had no idea about. He worked in a trifle making factory at oh, one point. Oh, wow. He was like, when I met him, he worked in a shoe shop as a like, but he was like working with the leather and he was like, Oh, wow. Oh, what, what's the word for that? Not a cobbler, I'm like actually making bespoke mm -hmm. shoes for people. That's yeah. what he did when I met him, and he had a he worked in a place on Tottenham Court Road. And That's yeah, really cool. He's a very interesting guy. <laughs> and then how did how did you push your music out there initially? Well, I guess it was like with Bears Den. I think we the first tours we did, we potato stamped our an EP that we recorded ourselves, and we played shows, and then we'd have this bare poor potato oh, wow. stamped on like our, on a CD. And I guess it was just like a bit of fun, but also gave us a way of talking about it on stage that didn't made it not feel too, like, I don't know, like too silly or something. Mm. We were just like, here's the silly thing we did if you want to pick it up. But then we were kind of constantly potato stamping new ones. It was yeah. like, we were like in the thousands of 
that first EP. <laughs> um, and so then, yeah, we decided to do a bit more professionally and like signed to communion records and started doing things a bit more, I guess, professionally. Mm -hmm. Still don't really feel like a professional. No, oh my gosh. No. <laughs> right, yeah. What do you think was different um, with Berzin compared to the other bands? Like, what made this, you feel like, a lot more successful? Um, I think in our first band, we just didn't know what we were doing at all. Mm -hmm. And I think in this band, we don't really know what we're doing, but I think we're just a bit like, we talk a lot more and it's a bit more, I don't know. It's. I think maybe you just need to like, I don't know what the word is, like mature or something, but mm. you need to like kind of go understand your strengths and weaknesses and hopefully in, with the time that it takes to sort of write better and better songs, that yeah. just comes with like growing up a bit, I think, and learning what you're good at and what you're not so good at maybe. Mm. I don't know. And did a lot of the industry connections from other bands like translate into this one early on? We've just been so lucky. We're friends with so many bands who've like done amazing things and like, we were spoiled in the early days because we like, I mean, we supported Daughter in America. We supported Mumford and Sons in America. Yeah, actually, how did those come about? Like, well, I, uh, I've known Winston from Mumford and Sons since I was like four or five years old. Um, we were actually in bands together through no school way. and stuff. Like, he was in Captain Kick too. And so, yeah, we were like, we've always been very close. And then when we all left school, like Marcus was one of like the first people I met in London and Ben Lovett was one of the first people I met as well and it's just sort of like I don't know it just kind of we were all growing up together and it just so happened that Mumford and Sons literally like became one of the biggest bands on the planet very very quickly mm -hmm. um, but yeah we were always sort of working together and our old band show or supported them on tour and so yeah we've always kind of been writing and stuff at the same sort of time mm -hmm. yeah and then how did your record label start uh so yeah communion records is set up by ben lovett and kev jones and mm -hmm. it's it's awesome it's like it actually all started from a club night in west london and the people who work there just like it's really lovely it's like being a part of a family and we just feel very spoiled to work with people who care about our music so much mm -hmm. and, yeah it's just awesome. How was your music spreading initially? Like, how did you get more people to listen it in the early days? I think, to be honest, we were very lucky with the supports. And as soon as we ever did, like, the first tour we ever did was a tour supporting a band called the Smoke Fairies. Mm -hmm. And they're an awesome band. And I sometimes think if they hadn't taken us on that tour, like, what would have happened? Because oh, wow. we were like, after that tour, we were like immediately able to book shows to like 20 people, but it was still a show. Yeah. And, like, how much music did you have at that point? Like, uh, I don't know, like eight songs, but like, okay. not very many that are still like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe less, maybe like four or five oh, songs. Wow. Yeah, so it was like such a small thing. Um, Must have been like your stage presence early on, because you already had so much practice from other bands, so you know how <laughs> to like interact with the crowd. That's definitely true. Like we've, we've been in a bunch of different bands together and like separately, and I think Again, that's the whole maturing thing. I think it's learning how to be in a band and like learning how to write songs, learning how to perform songs. And yeah, I think I think we've been very lucky, but I think also like whenever we've been fortunate enough to get a support, we've always gone, right, what's the next thing? What are we gonna do after that? Like how do we go and how do we go back and you know, try and build our own audience from mm -hmm. like 
you know. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of Was thing. it through SoundCloud or like what were you using? We were using, well, early, early bands would have been on like MySpace, MySpace. <laughs> which is like crazy to think about, but it was like mainly like Facebook and then like Twitter, but it's like weird, like so much stuff's come along since we started, like out, yeah. so Instagram wasn't a thing when we started, yeah. it's like, that's kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, like, to be honest, was, a lot of it was also just like word of mouth, like mm -hmm. we didn't, we only sold our first EP at shows, like we still can't get that EP anywhere, it's not on any streaming things no at way. all, yeah, so it's like... And that was really fun and like added a sense of, I don't know, like it had to be at a show to get it. So it's like, yeah, there's something smart. about that that built a bit of a, I don't know, a closeness between us and the audience, I think, which I think is something that we really, we're really passionate about. It's like not feeling like the audience is separate from you, mm. trying to make that whole thing feel as one as possible yeah. or like something, yeah. What was the turning point when you realized you didn't have to work any more odd jobs and you could just do music for your <laughs> career? Um, Must have been so surreal, right? It was surreal. I thought like, I think in my head I thought it happened um, earlier for bands than it did happen. I remember like thinking, we played at a place called Shepherd's Bush Empire, which is like a 1500 capacity venue in London. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking even then I couldn't afford to get a coffee the next day. Oh wow. And I was like, whoa, like when is it? When does it start being yeah. like a career? And it wasn't long after that that we started being able to like eat, you know, eat and drink at the normal <laughs> times and things like that. Um, but yeah, like I think I thought of, I thought it would happen. I thought it happened a bit earlier for bands, but I think that's just all changing. And with like I think with like streaming and stuff, I think you can like have a living, but I think it just takes a bit longer mm -hmm. to get there. Um, yeah. But yeah. What did your parents think when you wanted to do music for your career? I think they were quite worried. Mm -hmm. um, also, like, if I'd been classically trained and was, like, a really good musician, I think they would have had more of an understanding. But <laughs> you kind of explain when you're, like, not that good at guitar and not really, like, writing very good songs. And it's like, no, this is a good idea, guys. <laughs> um, it's not a very good, easy sell. But yeah. I think I just talked to them quite honestly about it and just said that, like... I feel really passionate about it and I, don't, I want to get better at it and if mm -hmm. I want to get better at it I'll work I'll work all the time to get better at it yeah um, and was there like a specific show that uh, changed their mind that you brought them out to or I think yeah like Shepherd's Bush was a, was one of the ones where they started to like go my dad just I remember him saying to me like I just couldn't stop looking at the audience like mm. he couldn't stop watching the audience he wasn't like they even... all came there for you guys yeah I think that's the thing that blows their minds still to this day is that it's not like they're really nice about the music and they're, they're very so supportive but like even even recently when we played we played Jeff's Bush Empire again recently and like I could see my dad on the balcony and he was just staring down at the floor oh like watching because he's just like I think it kind of blows yeah. his mind to see people connecting to it mm -hmm. um, in the way that it happens and I think that's just kind of sweet or something. It's, yeah, it's cool. I love yeah. that. Can you talk about the song New Jerusalem is about your sister or? Yeah, New Jerusalem is about my sister. Um, yeah, so my sister's just a bit of a legend. She actually just got engaged oh, three congrats. days ago, wow. which is the best thing ever, best news ever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a song about, I guess, being a younger brother um, and feeling like, I think that's like a confusing dynamic or something. I think 
I think I wanted to be protective of my sister, but actually she was very protective over me. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, just I think my sister's a bit of a legend and I owe her a lot. And I think I was sort of trying to say that in that song, I guess, and just be like, you're a legend, basically. <laughs> yeah. Does she still do music or help she, you or? Uh, no, so she's, well, she actually does like event management stuff now, but she was an actor for a long time. Oh, wow. and she's incredibly talented and like, She's just one of those people who can do anything she sets her mind to. She's just, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what made you want to, like, change up your whole website and social media in January this year, 2019? Change, I don't know. I think it's a slight departure for us, like, stylistically, this album is slightly different. And I think we wanted to represent that with the artwork and everything. And, and that translates to, like, socials and all that stuff, too. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was the turning point that you realized you wanted to change up the artwork, change up everything? I think it's just whenever we make a new album, it's like, to some extent, you want to be creating something or like breaking something and creating something or like you want to like reinvent yourselves as a band somehow, mm -hmm. almost like, right, who is this band like now and like what, what are we trying to do here and stuff. And like I think it's really cool because you can kind of set an aesthetic every time you create music or anything, you can set up your own kind of aesthetic, which is really exciting and fun for us and like even with the light show during our gigs it's like they're based on the colors of our album artwork and things like that and yeah it's cool how you can mess with stuff like that what were the main themes or inspirations for your album oh themes and inspirations i read this book called grief is the thing with feathers hmm. by a guy called max porter which i think is one of the best books i've read oh, in like wow. ever and, uh, <laughs> That was a huge inspiration and like I just thought it was really, it was very personal but very beautiful and very poetic and I just thought something about it really resonated with me and there's so many things, gosh, it's hard. I think we were trying to make an album, like lyrically, trying to talk about how it's hard to communicate with each other and people, like feeling a sense of being a bit isolated mm. and so I think sonically and lyrically so cool, the helicopter. Yeah, it's like always it's above. Like, yeah, I remember that about LA. It's just like yeah. a little helicopter. Yeah, I think we we're sort of messing around with ideas around that. So like we started like sampling um, Morse code stuff and like oh, sampling wow. sonar from submarines and just anything that was kind of like around the idea of trying to communicate and perhaps not being able to. And we started sort of building a little universe around that. Yeah. That was kind of the idea. And how about for your music videos in general? I feel like there's such a distinct like Bearsden style to it. Yeah, well, I think, I think we're just, we're just always trying to like, I don't know, like make something that makes us feel stuff. I think yeah. songwriting, like musically, all of it, it's like about trying to like be moved by it. So, mm. and I think with videos it's, they're really hard to get right music videos and yeah. so for us I think it's always about going like how can we you know what have we not seen that we feel like could be cool or what have we how can we involve our audience how can we like always trying to think of ways of doing that and yeah it's, it's fun but yeah. it's hard work as well are there any specific movies or directors that inspire you a lot Charlie Kaufman is probably mm. my favorite like film director like my favorite film ever, I think, is a film called Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Um, and he also did like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, okay. Um, did a film 
about adaptation. Like he's just, he's just a total genius. He did a new movie recently called Anomalisa, which was really beautiful as well. I think everything he does is kind of beautiful. Um, actually our song, we have a song called Berlin. And that song is basically like a series of, it's kind of like a love song, but it's also basically, it quotes a lot of things from his films. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a love song to someone, but also kind of like a, a little bit of a love song to his films. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, I just, I'm kind of obsessed with them. I think he's just, <laughs> I think he has a really cool, like, brain. So it's, it's a weird brain, but it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. How have you feel like you have kept up with your music? I feel like with music, trends come and go, and it's like kind of more and more difficult to stay relevant, especially with Spotify and everything. Yeah, right. Well, I think what's cool about it is that we all have access to all of it. So it's not like it's as exclusive as it used to be in terms of like, where you had to be able to buy all the records to be able to hear everything. Yeah. And I, feel, I still feel like, for us, I think, your frame of references just like can be whatever you want them to be. It could be mm -hmm. something inc can incredibly contemporary, or it could be something incredibly old, or it could be whatever. And I think now, the, I think the really interesting artists are the ones who aren't too uh, premeditated or trying to be yeah. like to we're a folk band or we're a rock band or we're an indie band I feel like the genres are sort of melting a little bit um, mm. I quite like that um, it's like makes sort of music feel a bit more challenging or a bit more like well, I, mean, I don't know it's just interesting I think I'm staying relevant I guess you're not really I'm not we're not really in control of that we're just trying to make stuff that feels as cool as possible to us Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're not so far from the like zeitgeist that we're like, you know, on a different planet. But, yeah. Yeah. How do you think you've grown as a duo since the younger, uh, earlier days? I think, I think we've got a better understanding of like, like what we're good at and how we complement each other. And I think working on this album together, we spent more time on it and we just allowed ourselves the freedom to like explore loads of different instruments mm -hmm. and I think that was like technically like in the past we've always been like here's the plan it's gonna sound like this yeah. we got three weeks let's do it oh, wow. and like this time we were like no we've got a year let's just try stuff and see what where we naturally go mm -hmm. and I think that speaks to the fact that we're you know pretty like yeah it's very sort of like it's quite deep connection there between us mm -hmm. and uh yeah and we were just able to kind of like fumble through like different instruments and try things out and you know make some terrible music and make some weird stuff and an amazing music. and then kind of also like peel that back and hopefully find common ground find things that were inspiring to both of us and did kind of work yeah. so yeah but i think there's a lot of like trust involved in a band and a lot of like uh, I don't know. I think we, we were blessed with the first time in our careers to be able to have the time to experiment. Mm -hmm. I think with that time, you're uh, I don't know. It's just it brings perhaps your, it brings you closer together as you like have you kind of are figuring out what you're both looking for from it, and that was quite special, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say have been the biggest challenges so far in your career? Um, biggest challenges. Um, or it could it be your personal life? Up to you. <laughs> biggest challenges, I'd say. I'd say the hard thing for any band is like probably the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
it's like there's a lot of like probably going to be a fair bit of like rejection and like yeah. labels not being interested or not being able to get a booking agent or a manager or whatever and we definitely had all those sorts of things and then the, the whole bit where you have to kind of invest in it without knowing if it's going to work mm -hmm. and that can be really tough um, the biggest challenges I'd say the early days present loads of challenges and as you get get to this point I, or like the point we're at now it kind of feels like I mean, the challenges change in the sense of like you're kind of constantly trying to push yourself to do more and be sort yeah. of a better band but they're not to be honest the major challenges are like trying to find a shower on a show day sometimes is really, really hard um, a shower that works at a venue can be tricky uh, yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff too what does love mean to you? what does love mean to me? Um, I think love is um well, that's, that's a big question. Um, yeah. I think... Oof, completely trusting something mm. or someone. Yeah. Complete, being willing to be completely open and like... I don't know, just... Recognising that your own weaknesses are not weaknesses to them. Mm. Or if they are, they still see past them. And then I think vice versa as well. Yeah. And if you recognise that in sync with each other, that's that's kind of what love is to me. Mm -hmm. I think. Last question: What do you want Berzan to be remembered for? Oof. I'd love it if uh, we were remembered for like at some point <laughs> being able to move people. I think like mm -hmm. that's been something that I think that's like in any way like if that's moving someone to dance, moving someone to like you know, propose, yeah, <laughs> moving someone to like cry, whatever it is, like, I just like the idea that um, there's like an element of catharsis to what we're doing, like we write songs that are about quite difficult things, mm. but the point of them is that everyone goes through difficult things, and if we're all like together in a room, like at a live show, yeah, just that whole thing, it's kind of like, that's sort of like, bringing a sense of community to like something that doesn't that can feel like in a world where you can feel quite isolated mm -hmm. that's so I guess being able to like hopefully move people I think is something that I would love to be able to yeah. say that we be remembered for that um, but we're not really in control of what we're remembered for it could be <laughs> you know it could be like yeah these guys are really smelly or you know we have no idea you're not in control of that so yeah <laughs> oh this is awesome thank you so much no worries no it's all good
Rossi, who's Myro, um, our manager, we had like a four-way window on Skype. I'd never mm -hmm. done one before, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was sat there just like, don't know what to say, trying to make a joke, but like they might take it wrong. Because like one of them I'd never met and one of them yeah. I'd met like once before. So um, yeah, we, we spoke about maybe like the possibility of coming out here and doing some stuff and like it all it all rolled from there, basically. Mm -hmm. Like kind of got here and we realized there was a bunch of like UK kids putting in the work. So it was a, it was a really nice kind of vibe, you know? And then how did it click to you that you wanted to be with them like after that? I'll be honest, um, Myro, so Rossi, he, he manages like our, our like act, he manages a whole bunch of acts like um, Barely Alive and Virtual. Mm -hmm. and, but he, he like he, he he's half of the label as well, or a third even I should say, and he, he does like sort of two jobs. So kind of he introduced us to the label side of things, and then like when we worked with him as as like you know as manager or him as our manager, that was kind of when we were like, yeah, we're in good hands, man. Like <laughs> we've been through a lot of tricky situations, a lot of sticky ones, and you know when you're our age, Josh is 31, I'm 28. We're not like kids, you know? So when you've been like in a few management situations or a few label situations or anything like that, and they haven't gone the way you initially planned, meeting someone like Rossi seems a bit too good to be true, mm. you know? And like the whole Disciple crew, all these videos, you were like, right, they all look like real posy and everyone's real happy, but is it like that? And, and that was kind of our initial like concern, or at least it was mine. Um, and yeah, no, it really is like, there is a great, great vibe and being a small label in a small kind of genre it's like it's easy to maintain that really good vibe yeah and that's what it is really it's just a really good family vibe and everyone looks out for everyone there's no bitchiness like everyone's supporting mm. everyone's music someone has a release and it's bumped on everyone's pages and that's great yeah and it's not a it's not a guy in the office doing it it's us you know mm -hmm. i think that that is something that will always kind of make People like me and Josh, you know, want to like gravitate towards that. It's just like sweet, man. Mm -hmm. Actual real people being really nice to each other. And it's refreshing. It's yeah. like you want to make music and send it to someone who you flip and respect and have them get right back to you and like, you know, send send their shit. And like, you know, it's just really nice. Nothing's contrived or fake. It's just, it's real. It's, it's like, it's rare. It's a unique thing that they've got. And they've worked like five years to get that. Yeah. So, yeah, big up Disciple Crew. Does it feel a bit different because you've been in like bands and doing drums your whole life and now maybe you categorize under more of like a EDM producer or...? Uh, no, not, not particularly. So I'm um, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't champion my production skills. I suck. I'm pretty deaf, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I've, I've done like thousands of shows in my life. Um, I wouldn't... I think I did a hearing test recently and I struggled to hear over 10.5k. So oh my gosh. I'm like... I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm heading for a hearing aid before I'm like 35, so I wouldn't like jump in the producer seat and want to make a banger straight away. But like in in terms of like songwriting, I still enjoy like putting together a, a, a piece of work. That being said, Josh has worked on everything in the last two EPs, mm -hmm. the one that we just dropped, Echoes, and this new one. He's basically just been whipping them up, yeah. fucking quick. Like I think he did this last one in one week, <laughs> but like. The, the, the bulk of the work, I, like, you know, in one day, I'm pretty sure he sent me over two almost finished songs kind of from that EP that are both on the EP. So he's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, as far as, like, my contribution, like, so I've got a sample pack coming out with Virtual Riot mm -hmm. um, for, like, just, just drums, like, yeah. exclusively, like, rhythm and dubstep drums. It's got a cool name, um, and I'm going to put it all on, like, line very soon. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but if it's sometime soon, it'll probably be dropping at the same sort of time. So yeah, um, yeah. in the next month anyway. Mm -hmm. So that'll be all. That'll be all available for everyone to sort of uh, grab off uh, off the internet when it's all dropped. There'll be a link to everything, and yeah, hopefully uh, everyone starts using my shit in yeah. their songs because that's kind of what I like. You know, I, I, I like. I think drums are such a massive part of dubstep or any EDM genre for that matter, or any genre of music. So like, if I can make as many six sample packs as I can make for different like things, like a future bass one with future bass fills and you know drum and bass ones with drum and bass breaks and just keep doing that, that's kind of my contribution. That's where I want to aim to be in the next few years, is just like keeping Josh laced with like drum pack, uh, you know, drum samples and stuff that he can use in, in, in the music mm -hmm. he makes. Because it kind of makes everyone's life easier when there's real good stuff to just drag and drop. You know, that's kind of the the new the new way of making tunes. I mm -hmm. think if you're sat there like programming all day long, it kind of gets super boring when you're trying to put down an idea. So that's yeah. kind of that's my thing. I want to mm -hmm. get like new and creative drum loops in the mix and make dubstep a bit more dynamic and fun and live and real. That's my aim. That's my goal. Yeah. Yep. Day to day, if he's doing more of the producing, are you more? Of, do you do more of the the live, like live performance, like getting into that, or day to day? How do your roles so, uh, differ? So we like well, we do shows together. Yeah. We prepare for shows together, so that side of it's kind of uh, kind of normal. It's mm -hmm. more just like Josh will have a lot of times in the diary when we're not touring. There's no shows, and it might be like two weeks, or even like five days in between shows, and it'll just be like block booked out with like. EP production so he'll know exactly how long he has and the deadline will be in that month at some point and he'll just have maybe like two block book weeks to work on it mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that works now normally we used to write as you know when we were four people there'd be four people in a room but like I said Josh is uh since he's been like in LA since we moved over here I think just hanging around hanging around with a whole bunch of people on Disciple it's like they almost treat music production like a game it's 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 like you know like let me see your new IDs like you know and people go go home and whip up two or three new ones. It's um it's just like the, the speed at which people are making like really sick playable music has just gone tenfold in the last few years. So now that Josh is kind of like on that, it's yeah it's like you know if you, if you blink you might miss a tune. Mm -hmm. um, I know we made a drum and bass one last night. I saw him tweet about it. So, <laughs> you know, but that's mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. When when inspira inspiration is 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 kind of striking, you got to go with it. What does success mean to Modestep? Oh, that's a very difficult question. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain we can consider ourselves successful. The amount of stuff we've come kind of come through, mm -hmm. um, and we're still an act. You know, it's been almost ten years for for Josh um, and six for me. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say what is success? Will you ever know if you're killing it at the time? Probably, probably not. You'll probably look back after six months or a year and be like, holy fuck, man, that summer festival season killed it. But, yeah. you know, you won't know until you're on your headlining dates playing to, you know, an, an eighth of that many people. You won't know until, you know, you feel it. You know, there's certain sobering things in, in, in the music industry that will kind of make you feel like unsuccessful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king, so. Mm -hmm. You just gotta fake the rough with this move. Yeah, we have. I'd say we're successful. Yeah. Right? And, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it. Dubstep took a dip, and like our own country, where where it's from, wouldn't play it on the radio. You know, it, it was getting no love. So, for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep, even in all of that climate, mm. you know, you, you know, when you could have been playing house and other things, 
you know, and I'm not naming names, I'm not chatting shit, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't, you know, stray too far from the path of the cause. So, like, I always say the same band comes back to them every time, but Iron Maiden have done the same record for, like, 35 years. It's always the same branding, it's the same type of tunes, it's... It's like, that's why they're, they're still relevant and they're still big today and still selling sh shows out because, you know, they've given their fan base exactly what they want. So once you have a fan base, which most of have, it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they, they don't want or, or, or are interested in. You know, yeah. you, you know, but at the same time, it's playing to like the people that make you a band, you gotta keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled. So it's, it's a balance. Yeah. I love balance. this. Yeah, thank you so much. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Bye.